Well, last week we started a new sermon series, and now I've kind of kicked it back old school and teased you just a little bit. Made you think we, I was going maybe going to preach some chandelier swinging type message, but that's not what it is again today. It wasn't last week, and it's not today either. But what we started looking at last week uh, is long. It's lengthy. It is, um, it's neglected by those who don't like to, you know, read through to the end. Um, I told you last week it's shunned by the Reader's Digest crowd, and of course that's one generation. Then my generation used what we called Cliff's Notes. Can I get a witness? When we didn't actually read the material, we could read Cliff's Notes and get a good summary. This generation uses Quizlet and Blinklist and Story Shots, and the list goes on and on, all kinds of stuff I don't even know about. But I want to tell you this morning that in its great length, this passage of Scripture has great depth. It's multifaceted, it's rich, and I promise you it is worth the time. But it will take you to just sit back and explore. What I'm talking about is Psalms chapter 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. Um, And before we dig back into it again today, it's important to understand some background. Psalms 119 is comprised of 22 stanzas, each being eight verses long, and each verse has two lines. And each stanza sequentially begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So there was some structure to David's worthiness. There was a there was a method to his madness of this lengthy passage of scripture that he wrote. He wasn't just rambling on words that had no significance. This was a very well thought out, very well developed passage of scripture. And in fact, there's a tradition in the Eastern Orthodox Church that King David actually used this psalm to teach his son Solomon the Hebrew alphabet. But also that he used this passage of scripture to teach him the alphabet of spiritual living. How to live for the Lord. And I mentioned last week that Psalm 119 has some major three themes that run all throughout its landscape. And the first one that we dug into last week was David's emphasis on the Word of God. Now listen, I got some wonderful, unexpected feedback on that message last week. I had some folks, and maybe they're watching again today, uh, who don't attend here, who attend other churches that watched online last Sunday. And I got a text message that said, your message on Sunday rocked my world. One text message said, I told my husband, if you remember the message last week, I told you sometimes we fight dumb, right? Because we don't use the Word of God. They said, uh, I told my husband, we've been fighting dumb. That's my takeaway from that message. Somebody else said, you rocked my world because we, we try our best to fight in this battle that we're in. But so many times we don't go. We go everywhere else except to God's Word. And there is a strategic battle plan for every situation that you may face lined out in the Word of God. So we talked about that last week. If you didn't get to be here, David taught us that without the Word, you can't effectively walk. You can't effectively weather. and You can't effectively war. The Word is absolutely essential. And if you have a deficiency of the Word, listen to me, you will stumble. You will find yourself surrounded. And you may eventually surrender. And that was last week. If you didn't get to be here, go back and listen to it again. Or pick up the Weekly Word podcast. But just as prevalent as God's Word is in Psalms 119, prayer is also unmistakably worked into the tapestry of its teaching. Prayer is 
the most mentioned practice in Scripture. Did you know that? Prayer is the most mentioned practice in Scripture. The command to pray is found 250 times in the Bible. And praying specific prayers is mentioned another 280 times throughout this book. And prayer is so apparent and so weaved into Psalm 119 that you cannot afford to miss what David says about prayer. David is repetitive in discussing prayer and he basically talks about three, I want you to get this this morning, three very basic, very simple, very specific prayers that he prays in Psalm 119 and that we should all pray. When you read how many times he repeats these prayers in this passage, you begin to recognize that not only should we pray these prayers occasionally, but our life should be spent repeating these prayers over and over again. And I'm not going to read the entire passage of Scripture this morning. We're just going to dissect and pull out what the psalmist says as he's praying. Most of these Scriptures this morning that David wrote was, was in his prayer. They were parts of his prayer. So if you'll stand with me all over the room today, we're going to read... The first section of scripture, we're going to talk about David's first prayer, which was, teach me. Teach me. Psalms 119 and verse 12. In the New Living Translation, says, I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. The message translation of that passage of scripture says, be blessed, God. Train me in your ways of wise living. Let's drop down and read verses 33 through 40 in the message translation. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. Route 119 is what we're traveling. He says, I love traveling this freeway. Give me an appetite for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. I love that verbiage, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Divert my eyes from, I like this verbiage too, toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. Affirm your promises to to me and promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics, but what you say is always so good. See how hungry I am for your counsel and preserve my life through your righteous ways. I want to preach to you this morning the second message in this series. We're in Route 119. Today we're going to talk about part two, which is prayer. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me today. Father, I thank you for every precious person that is represented in this building today and those that are joining us for online church. Lord, I thank you today that They saw the importance of assembling themselves together as the word instructs today. And Lord, I thank you for your presence that's already been here in such a great way. Lord, I pray for the next few moments that you would remove every hindrance and distraction that would prohibit us from hearing and receiving what your word is speaking to us today. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my lips of clay, that I don't speak my words, or that I don't deliver this word today with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that I deliver your word. And though, Father, where it may not be a a message Uh, of of preaching uh, power, so to speak. I pray that you would give me the anointing today that makes teaching effective. Anoint these lips of clay that, Lord, I would teach your word, yes, under the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God, but anoint every ear to hear. 
and every heart to receive what you're speaking to your people today. Lord, let us leave this place differently than we came because we have been in your presence and we have been changed by your word. Some have said, Lord, that you rocked their world last week. I'm asking you to rock our worlds today. Give us new insight for prayer. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Teach me is the first prayer that we're going to talk about that David prays. And the key statement there is wise living that he said in the scripture. Can I tell you this morning that we must all be trained. Let me try that again. We must all be trained. Many of us, can I tell you, need to unlearn some things that we've learned. Many of us need to unlearn some unwise living. And we have to be honest enough to acknowledge our lack of wisdom. Either maybe for some of us it was our parents, for others it was our friends, maybe for some it was our counselors, have trained us and taught us things that are, just simply put, they are unwise. You know, buy now, pay later. Somebody talk to me. That's not wise. Nowadays, you young people like to do what they call afterpay. Uh-huh. That's buy now, pay later. That's not wise. Another thing that some people tell us, spend more than you make. Mm-hmm. Other folks may tell us it's okay to engage in gossip. Mm-hmm. Other folks tell us, honey, it's okay if you're, you know, if you're testing the waters and and play in the field and trying them out. It's okay to move from relationship to relationship to relationship to relate. Y'all ain't going to help me on that one. Because the church is full of people moving from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. You know why? Because in more senses than one, we've lost the art of commitment in this society. We don't want to be committed to anything. Not a job. Y'all ain't going to help me today. Not a job, not a marriage, and a lot of times not a church. It's all wonderful until I say something that makes you mad. And then all of a sudden, the grass is greener over on the other side. But you better be careful. It might be a septic tank over there. But David teaches us that... We need to be trained. One of the other things that society has taught us is that it's okay to live together out of wedlock. Well, y'all get quieter as they go. The list could go on and on. And David teaches us that we need to train. We need to learn to live wisely. David connects our teachability to our ability to stay the course. If we aren't learning the lessons that God is teaching on living, then we will detour sometimes into our own destruction. It's not somebody else's fault if you're the one that chose to go down that road. Hello. And in one statement, David wraps up that the greatest, what would be the greatest testimony that any person could ever have, and we should strive for this to be put on our tombstones. I loved it when I read it. We found it in verse 34 of this scripture. It said, my whole life, one long, obedient response. That's my prayer for my life. My whole life, one long, obedient response. And David addresses greed. 
And he gives us the insight that there's a litmus test, if you will, that can be used to show us if we are indeed being trained or taught by God. If we are not teachable, if we are not teachable, we will spend our life on loot, as David said it, toys and trinkets. See, David knew that if we are in fact being taught, that we would be able to stay out of that trap. Listen to me, young people. That is a trap. Getting burdened down with things you never could afford is a trap. We give the most uh, valuable commodity that we have in our lives. That's our life and our time in the pursuit of things that don't matter. Are you with me? It's easy to see that most of us as Americans are not teachable. We're all the time looking for something better, something bigger that doesn't really matter. Are you with me this morning? A bigger house, a nicer car, finer clothing. This jacket came from the Goodwill. It was $7. Now, I'm also a germaphobia. It cost me that much to get it dry cleaned. Amen. So I got $14 in it. We're all the time searching for finer things. Toys and trinkets, boats, campers, if you can't say amen, say oh me, motorcycles, timeshares, vacation homes. Let me hear you if you got one. Oh, I want to be your friend. Praise the Lord, I heard an oh me. If you got a vacation home, I want to be your friend. Amen. Listen to me though. Toys and trinkets. Hear your pastor this morning. Every bit of that is just stuff. And we spend our lives trying to make the loot so that we can buy the stuff. Are you with me this morning? The toys and the trinkets. And can I tell you this morning that one of these days, you and I are going to be standing before God and all of that stuff is going to be right where you left it. And I got more news for you. When this world burns, it's going to burn with it. It's just stuff. And David says if you are spending your life for the loot, the trinkets, and the toys, you're spending yourself for things that don't really matter. But if you are teachable and you are being taught, you will give your life for things that have eternal value. You will spend your life and yourself for what is important. And that does not just apply to ministers of the gospel. Every one of us in this room has been given a responsibility to go and to make disciples. Every single one of us in this room has that responsibility. And if you're teachable and willing to be taught, you will spend your life and yourself on things that are important. I want you to look at what he said in Psalm 119. I'm going to read verses 64, 66, and 68 out of the NLT. David said in verse 64, O Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me. Say, teach me. Teach me your decrees. Verse 66, I believe in your commands. Now, here it is again. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. Verse 68, you are good 
and you do only good. Teach me. There it is again, your decrees. David was praying. Drop down and read verses 124 and 125. I am your servant. Deal with me in unfailing love and teach me your decrees. Give discernment to me, your servant, that I will understand your laws. In the message translation, this one says, Let your love dictate how you deal with me. Teach me from your textbook on life. I'm your servant. Help me understand what that means, the inner meaning of your instructions. Verse 144 in the NLT, Your laws are always, say always, Always right. Help me to understand them so that I may live. The message virgin says so that I can live to the fullest. See, David says that we need to be taught to live by the counsel of God. He says that we should ask on a regular basis for God to give us common sense. Does anybody know besides me that common sense is not that common anymore? He says... We should ask God to give us common sense. And how many of us would avoid pain, trouble, and disappointment if we would just allow God to give us some good old common sense? Somebody complained to me about their job, said they needed one. You know why I found out they needed one? They quit the last one before they got a new one. All you need is a little common sense. It's okay to go looking for the new one, but if you need a job, don't quit the one you've got till you've got a new one. Come on, somebody. And he says that we need to approach God about teaching us the inner meaning of His Word. Not just relying on somebody else to give us insight, but to get in God's Word and dig it out for ourselves. Listen, A.W. Tozer, who is one of my favorites, said this. He said, one of the saddest things about this generation is that we have had our learning done for us. That is so true. David then says our ability to live in the fullest is directly connected to God teaching us how to live. How many of us are living at less than, but, but we're calling it more than, only because we haven't allowed God to teach us that there really is more? I talked about this at the 9 o'clock service this morning, so I'm going to talk about it to you. You know, that, that's just like there are a lot of denominations in this world that don't know the goodness about what some of us have experienced. Are you with me this morning? They, they, some of them think, and they're wonderful people. They believe the Word. They believe in Jesus. They believe that He saved them, and He has. But they believe that the buck stops there. But I'm thankful that I learned a long time ago that there is more to God than just salvation. Well, I got about five witnesses. I'm thankful I learned a long time ago there's more than, to God than just salvation and sanctification. I'm thankful that I learned a long time ago that there is something called the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I'm thankful that I learned that when I get in my prayer closet and I'm in my prayer language, the devil don't have a clue what I'm saying, but God understands every word. This book says when you know not what to pray, you pray with moanings and groanings that can't be uttered, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for you. And the devil says, I can't understand that, but God says, my child's crying out for help. I'm going to get right down in the middle. Of what they need. And if you haven't experienced that. Maybe you're walking in less than. And calling it more than. 
Because you haven't allowed God to show you that it is more. And listen to me, I had to allow God to show me. I was raised Baptist. Where's all my Baptist friends in the room? Come on now. This church is by and large that, or it used to be, originally. There was nothing wrong whatsoever with my upbringing. What, none whatsoever. I had people that made such an impact on my life at that age, I will never forget the impact they had on me. I also become very stoic against what y'all believe. And I said, that's not necessary. There's no sense in that. And I also said, I'll never act like that. Don't never say never. But I had to allow God to show me. All I'm asking is you allow God to show you. But here's what I'm discovering. I'm discovering that very few of us are actually teachable. We say that we're teachable until somebody tries to teach us something that we don't like. Or somebody tries to teach us something that flies in the face of what we are comfortable with. Or what we can explain, understand, or accept. And then, a lot of times, we get angry. Mm. And when we get angry, we become rebellious. And unwilling to learn. And can I tell you, it would do some of us. uh, I say us, but I've not been in Pentecost all my life. But it would do all of us, regardless of what you've been in. But particularly some that have been in Pentecost all of their life. To become teachable again. Mm, Can I say that again? I'm going to say it to this side though because I'm getting more help over here. It would do us all good to become teachable again in the church. Because here's what I'm finding today. There are folks that always think that they have got everybody else figured out. Is anybody with me? They know exactly what they need to tell this one or that one to do about the wrong that's going on in their life. They like to hide it under what they want to call as discernment. But I'm finding that it's not true discernment because the moment that somebody tries to teach them something that lines up with Scripture, they don't like the fact that they've been called out and asked to become teachable. So it wasn't true discernment all along. What it was was thinking that we had already arrived. Are you with me this morning? Thinking that we already know everything. Let me say it again. It would do the church of God some good for all of us to become teachable again. A lot of times our own arrogance, our own apathy kicks in and we dismiss the teaching. Well, that's not, I'm not, I don't want to hear that. That don't apply to me. Listen, I believe that David recognized not only the great need to be taught, but I also believe that it would all, he realized it would take divine assistance for us to embrace a posture of learning. A posture of truly being teachable. David knew that God's ways and his thinking are so different and on such a higher plane than our own that we, we must be taught. David made some statements in verses 98 through 100 that almost sound arrogant and unteachable. If you go read it, he says that he's wiser than his enemies. He says he's wiser than his teachers and he's wiser than the elders. But if you read the whole passage, you'll find that that's only after time and time and time again asking God to teach me, teach me, teach me. If you ask God to teach you, he will. And too many of us live our life like we're smarter than everybody else and we haven't allowed God to teach us. And when we do that, 
we end up showing the world how spiritually uneducated we really are. When the psalmist prayed, his cry was, teach me. And our cry for this morning should be, teach us, Lord. Secondly, some of y'all are going to like the fact that you can pray this. David prayed, bless me. Somebody said, well, glory. Bless me. Psalm 119 and verse 17. Be good to your servant that I may live and obey your word. The message translation says, be generous with me and I'll live a full life. I love that. Not for a minute will I take my eyes off of your road. Psalm 119 and verse 65 in the New Living says, You've done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. The message translation says, Be good to your servant, God, as good as your word. Psalm 119 and 135 says in the New Living, Look upon me with love. There it is again. Teach me your decrees. In the message translation, I love this. He says, Smile on me, your servant. Teach me the right way to live. But I want you to notice there is an order this morning. Before you begin to pray, bless me, you must first pray, teach me. Why? Teach me so that I can handle your blessings. See, we get the order wrong. If you're writing anything down this morning, write this down. Because when I typed it out, I even said to myself, man, that's good. So listen, we squander blessing because we haven't learned to steward favor. Let that sink in. We squander blessing because we haven't learned to steward favor. What do you mean, pastor? We spend the bulk of our prayer life asking for blessing. And in comparison to praying to be taught and the third prayer, the amount of time that David affords to bless me prayers is very minimal. Did you catch that? Just a small amount of time. Don't get me wrong. David prays for God to respond, as you'll see in just a minute, and to bless him. But I think the contrast in the volume of blessing requests compared to the other elements of the prayer is a great lesson for us and a real challenge for us uh, to change how we currently spend our time with God in prayer. Pastor, should we not make our needs known to God? Absolutely we should. I didn't give them this for the screen, but Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 uh, says, don't worry, don't be anxious for anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need or make your request made known to God. Always giving what? Thanks. But here's what I think, and I, I realized this morning about this point in the message, I thought, you know, no, people are not going to swing from the chandeliers because a lot of what you're saying this morning hits hard. And sometimes it's heavy. So here's another hard hitter. I'm like Daryl Isaacs this morning, the heavy hitters up here, amen. But I think in our consumeristic mentality, that's what we have in the church today. We have a consumeristic mentality. We've not only changed the order. What, what do you mean, pastor? We're always shopping for what we like. Hmm. Let me say that again. We're always shopping for what we like. We're drawn to the churches that sing our music, our kind of music. Well, you got it all this morning. I kicked it back old school. And you got the new stuff at the beginning. And somebody said, I didn't like worship this morning. I love what Francis Chan said. That's good. We wasn't worshiping you. We have a consumeristic mentality. 
always shopping for what pleases us. And because of that, we've not only changed the order that David prayed, but we changed the order that Jesus himself prayed. We start, we feel, and we end our prayers with our needs and our requests for blessing. And James chapter 4 and verse 3 informs us that sometimes we ask and we don't receive because our motives are all wrong. Are you with me? And we only ask for what pleases us, and that is selfish. And God will not answer selfish prayers from those who think they deserve everything they ask for. Psalm 119 says, pray to be taught. And after you've prayed and asked God to teach you, then ask God for what you need. But don't make that the bulk of your prayer life. So teach me, bless me. And the third and final one I'm going to talk about this morning. I love this one. I've prayed it over my family more than I've ever prayed it over myself. But I've prayed it many times nonetheless. Protect me. Psalm 119 and verse 25. He said, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. You know what uh, the message translation says for revive? I love this. It says, get me on my feet. Get me back up on my feet. Can I tell you this morning? When the devil knocks you down, and sometimes he will. You don't need somebody. You don't need to cry out for somebody to come to you. You need to get in the Word, and the Word of God will set you back uprightly on your feet again. David said, revive me by your Word. Seven times David specifically requests that God preserve him. Verse 107, I've suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as you have promised. Verses 86 through 88, all your commands are trustworthy. Protect me from those who hunt me down. Without cause. They almost finished me off, but I refuse to abandon your commandments. In your unfailing love, spare my life. Then I can continue to obey your laws. In the message translation, that one reads, Everything you command is a sure thing, but they harass me with lies. Help. They pushed and pushed. They never let up. But I have not relaxed my grip on your counsel. In your great love, revive me so I can obey your every word. One other translation says, all your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I'm being persecuted without cause. And if you'll remember this morning, one of the most basic and best prayers that we can ever pray, I preached to you several weeks ago, is simply help. When you don't know what else to pray, God hears a cry for help. Psalm 119 and verse 94, he said, I'm yours, rescue me. For I have worked hard at obeying your commandments. Verse 122, please guarantee a blessing for me. Don't let the arrogant oppress me. Again, he's praying for protection. Verse 134, ransom me from the oppression of evil people. Then I can obey your commandments. The message translation says this, rescue me from the grip of bad men and bad women so I can live life your way. Newsflash. There's some bad men and bad women out there. I got another newsflash. Sometimes there's bad men and bad women in here. But David said, rescue me from the grip of them. Verses 146 and 147. He says, I cry out to you. Rescue me that I may obey your laws. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and I put my hope in your words. Long before the enemy's job description was ever written. If you want to know where the enemy's job description is, I didn't give them this passage of scripture, but it's found in John chapter 10 and verse 10. 
It says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job description. David understood long before that was ever written that the enemy desires to destroy you. Did you know that? He desires to destroy those connected to you. Did you know the enemy desires to destroy your testimony? And therefore he fills Psalm 119 with instruction on the concept of constantly and consistently asking God to help. In 13 of the 22 stanzas of that scripture, David says this, Save me, help me, rescue me, defend me, deliver me, and sustain me. Folks, listen. David, and I'm almost finished. David was a man that had armies at his beck and call. He was a man that had thousands of horses and chariots at his immediate disposal. David was a man that had armed guards 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. David was a man that had unlimited resources. He should have been able to rest easy at night. He should have been able to trust his well-being. But yet David knew that it was only God. Some trust in horses, some trust in men. But only God can truly protect and preserve. He knew that only God could defend us adequately. And he knew that only God was on guard constantly. See, I'm learning that. Some of us live life in the defensive. We don't have to be on the defense. When we live life on the defensive, we lash out and fight according to the standards of this world. But when we live life on the offensive, recognizing that God is standing guard right beside us, we don't need, I don't know about you, but I'm a daddy. How many daddies and mamas we got in the house this morning? You try to do something to my little songbird over here, or you try to do something to my boy in Louisville. I love Jesus, but it's on like Donkey Kong. Are you with me? Are you with me? We are children of God. He loves us even more than we love our own children. But when we put our hands to the sword and we fight ourselves, he cannot fight for us. But when we live life on the offensive, we can stand secure knowing he's standing by our side. And when the enemy raises his hand, just like that, God steps in. And he fights so much better than we do. So many of us run to everybody else but God for help. We communicate our need consistently to our friends, to other people. And God help us to social media. Anybody who will listen. You know, I've discovered that's why some people are on social media. They're looking for anybody who will listen. And we're trusting people to guard us. Other people to fight for us. We trust our own defense mechanisms more than what David is trying to get through to us. That we should seek for God to be our defender. As they come to the music this morning, can I tell you, he's able to guard us. He's able to cover us. He's able to sustain us and keep us going 
when we feel like giving up and giving in. And can I tell you, I wish I could tell you that you'll never feel like giving up or giving in. But I'm not into preaching lies. There will be times that you feel like throwing in the towel. Giving up and saying, I'm done. There will be times when the going gets tough. There will be times when you feel like that you, the word of God said, even the youth shall faint and be weary. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you wait on the Lord. Because I believe this morning there's some of you that may be here that you're under attack. You need to pray, Lord, protect me from the attacks, from the seen and the unseen. Protect me from the attacks that I'm expecting. Sometimes we're expecting them. But I also need you to protect me from the attacks that I'm not expecting. Can I tell you this morning that the enemy is always going to attack? That is his modus operandi. That's his mode of operation, is to attack. Now I can tell you this morning, even if you're not under personal attack, after seeing God save over 50 people last year and over 75 people rededicate their lives to Him, and then here we are in February of this year, and we've already seen 16 or 17 except Jesus. Folks, the devil is not down there in hell going, no. He's plotting. How can I attack? What can I do to this one? What can I do to that one? How can I get in the arrangements and stop it from happening? But I want to tell you, if we live life on the offense and we say, God... We're going to do, Derek had no idea what I was preaching this morning. But we're going to get on the front line of the battle. We're going to worship. We're going to praise. And we're going to pray. And we're going to trust that you're standing right beside us, God. And we're not going to have to fight even though the darts are coming this way. We'll get enough word in us that we're shielding off the darts that are coming at us. But we'll believe that when it gets dangerous, you're going to step out from right beside us. And you're going to take control of the situation. Because that's how we fight. We have to give it to Him. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. You may be here today. And you may say, Pastor, I, I hear this word that you're bringing today. But I just don't know that I'm ready to meet the Lord. Should I go out into eternity unexpected today? Or should, should the rapture occur today? I'm just not 100% sure that I'm ready just not positive that I would go with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room if that's you and you're just not sure would you just slip your hand up and put it back down pastor I'm just not sure I'm just not positive thank you for that hand yes thank you for that hand anybody else pastor I'm just not sure not 100% positive that I would make it anybody else in the room today I want to tell you those that lifted your hands, everybody can look at me. 
just a few moments, we're going to open this altar. The only difference between those of you that lifted their hands and those that did not is one decision. You can be sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are ready should you go out into eternity today. Just one decision. And that's the decision to completely trust in Jesus. Completely trust in Jesus and give your life to Him. Listen, you'll never be good enough. Somebody talk to me. You'll never do good enough on your own. Don't come in here thinking i got to wait until I give up this or that and clean myself up. No. No. We, you cannot clean the fish before you catch them. Somebody help me preach this morning. And God will clean you up. God will take care of whatever that is in your life. The only difference between you and those that did not raise their hands this morning is the decision to accept Jesus. And can I tell you, Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Don't leave here today without Him. And now to the rest of us. Instead of filling our prayer life up with request and want list and wish list. I believe that Psalm 119 gives us a much clearer path for prayer. Teach me, Lord, because if you don't teach me, you can't bless me. Teach me so that you can bless me. And then when you bless me, I know the enemy's going to be mad to attack. After you bless me, I'm asking you to protect me. I'm trusting you to protect me. I want to give you an opportunity to pray like David says to pray. Listen, folks, most of us in this room are facing choices and decisions. Ask God to teach you. Most of us in this room have a need, but before we ask for the need, we need to pray. Teach me, God, so that you can meet the need. And many of us need to ask God to preserve us and protect us. Anybody besides me in here realize you're in the fight for your life? Anybody? Am I the only person that the devil wreaks havoc with every once in a while? Listen, the enemy's working overtime to destroy devastate you but why not allow the one who is undefeated (laughs) the one who is unrivaled the one who the word says never sleeps or slumbers he never gets tired and weary never has to go to sleep the one who never takes a moment off the one like the song they sing even when we cannot see it he's still working even when we cannot feel it he's still working Why not ask the one who has not one ounce of weakness in him to ask him to rise up and believe him to protect you? The devil has you duped. If you think for one second that you're going down with God on your side, he might be asleep in the back of the boat. Somebody help me preach this morning. But when you cause him to arise, the wind and the waves will obey his voice. But you need to ask him for protection.